The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. <laughs> Tonight, we got him, Goldie and the Salt. And it starts right now. Oh, welcome back to another episode of a typical disgusting display podcast for writers by writers who hate writing. And boy, things have changed since last week. Yep. So now we are all separately together in Los Angeles. <laughs> right. That's the LA experience in a nutshell. Isn't yes. It? Yeah. Separately together. That's you a- know, we should get together. It's Not like 4.2 miles. It's oh, way too it's far. the worst. 4.2 is the killer. It's impossible. Anything. If there's a left turn in between us, we cannot get together. I know. Is there a left turn on a boulevard? That's the parking. Yes. Oh, parking. So much of my life is parking anxiety. I know. Uh, but as we talked about last week on the uh, podcast, we are now, we've started. We, we're back. Yeah. We're back at Family Guy. Uh, we're back in person in the office, and uh, we have testing. We have a pretty uh, rigid testing regime for COVID. It's three times a week. First and, of all, yeah. I just want to interject. I'm sorry. Our building is abandoned. It looks like <laughs> yeah. a scene in The Pianist. <laughs> yeah. We're just roaming. I am legend. A destroyed <laughs> office building. Yeah, Long, with, empty corridors. Yes. Endless urinals with no one there. With just overgrowth of jungle inside. We were taping flashlights to a shotgun and making our way down to the American Dad offices. Oh, man. I, I never parked on P2 in all the years I worked here prior. Never once arrived yeah. in time. And now I'm parking like right by the elevator uh, uh, every morning. Idea. Yes, and that you can so... sing like Once in Royal David City beautifully down there. The acoustics Ooh, with an so empty, empty parking lot. You know those people who do like the halo theme in a bathroom? That yes. The parking lot would be perfect for that. So we're back, and we have this testing regimen. And so it's three times a week, and uh, today was one of the days. And so I go in there, and I am I come in early, because I'm dedicated, as anyone knows. <laughs> and uh, it Wait. takes... A, it, First joke of the day. Yeah, all right. First joke of the day. Uh, Jesus Christ. That's when I get it. So <laughs> you have to wait a half an hour to get your test results. And this is sort of a deadly time because you're funneled through the American Dad offices into their little kitchenette. Wow. Where you have wow. to wait 
with whoever's being tested at the time and you're on masks, you don't know them. Which makes no sense. Like the, to me, you'd go, we all don't know who's positive or negative. Let's all wait in our individual offices, <laughs> nope. then gather once we know the results that everyone is negative. However, they say, no, let's all intermingle, yes. <laughs> get the results, then go to our individual offices, which... <laughs> Look, I'm not in public health, so maybe I'm missing something. Right. Oh, God. Right. Yeah, no, let's have small talk over these, uh, you know, packages of almonds that are the size of like a masked, fo football ticket. Masked small talk. Although I do judge the younger writers who are just so addicted to their cell phones. Yes, they're, they're buried in them. I know how to exist without <laughs> staring at my phone for every second of every day. I don't know, though. In that room, it's death. You kind of got to look in your phone. So I realized this. So what... And and also in that kitchenette, they the chairs that they have you wait in are they look like the the chair that Bobby Knight threw across the uh, floor <laughs> of that basketball game. <laughs> They're not comfortable. It's not like a cushioned yeah. chair. So I have hacked the system, and I just simply go creepily wait in an empty office of one of our writers who's not in yet. <laughs> so this morning, I was just sitting in Mark Hentiman's office for half an hour, like sending him pictures from his office, like, hope you're okay with this, dude. Um, so I'm waiting for a half an hour, and then I get a notice, invalid test. Oh. So I had to do it again. Ooh. I was over there for an hour. In the and, testing facility. Yeah. Oy. It was... Not a not a great uh, kickoff to the right. day today, but I have to say it's been really good being back. I mean, I, oh, yeah. I it's don't been okay. <laughs> I don't totally agree that it's necessary to be back, but that said, I enjoy seeing the people. Oh yeah, uh, that I haven't seen in a couple of years. That's so nice. well, you have the benefit of for better and for worse is that your family stayed on the East Coast. Mm -hmm. right. I <laughs> went back Monday. My kids went back to oh, school yeah. the same day. So oh. everything is in complete chaos over here. Oh. Everyone's schedule has changed. School, I'm not going to repeat myself, but I saw today that the California legislature passed that high school has to start later. But oh. school starts so early. And I, I'm sitting here right now looking at you guys. <laughs> I have never felt worse in my life. This is the <laughs> worst so awful. personal I've worst. Felt. Yes. So I, 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 after three days of this, we don't cheat. We don't have a nanny. There's no help. Right. <laughs> we cheat. do it. Yeah. We, I like that we don't cheat. <laughs> we don't cheat. No. We don't take. We don't take uh, childcare steroids. That's, that's why you don't have a nanny on principle, right? Yeah, it's cheating. Yeah, it's cheating. <laughs> What's next? Oh God! God forbid you welcome in a trusted new member of the family to lend a helping hand. That's the way we look at it. Cheating. Where's Where's Levy today? I don't know. Yeah, you're gonna you're gonna zoom her right when you know she's already in bed. It's I like oh, I just missed you. <laughs> Guess I'm gonna have to just sit here and watch TV. No, I do cash in at the best moments though. It's sort of like every time the zoom starts, I can already hear Tall in the background like, "Okay, Levy, it's bedtime. Let's go." So I'm like, "All right, good night, everybody. <laughs> Talk to you tomorrow." Uh, but it's been nice being back in person. And Goldie, we talked about this, um, and I know you had something to say about it. I knew Family Guy was back on day one when there was an Anne Heche joke pitched simply <laughs> yes. just one day after she had passed, sadly. Oy, right. uh, but that's the Family Guy way. And it just felt like, okay, we're back. The room I was in, she 
there was speculation that she may have died and may still be alive, and there was a joke pitched. Yeah, oh, so it was, wow. Yeah, and by you. And it was in her, <laughs> she was in her twilight, and, and still jokes oh. were being pitched. Oh, wow. Uh, but that's how we know Family Guy is thriving, because we are capitalizing on the suffering of others, as right. we have done so well for so many years. Yes. It's just, it's so weird that we're in, like, an empty mind shaft. Yeah. <laughs> making Anne Hayes jokes uh, as the world <laughs> continues to and the and the whole Wilshire corridor oh, is God. empty. Yeah. It's been decimated. It is bizarre. I know, but you say that it's empty but for the giant construction project that is going yeah. on right outside our window at all times. Uh the Wilshire subway line, which right. they've been slowly inching this way. It's moved six blocks in two and a half years. And now it's here in front of the office. And right. literally no one will ever use it. No. Right. Yeah. Here, guys, you can get from Crenshaw to UCLA. Here's the <laughs> thing. I have to go to two places and both are on Wilshire. <laughs> <laughs> that, that never happened. Never. <laughs> I only need to move latitudinally. I have no need to move longitudinally. So I am the, in a I'm city the, that's like a billion square miles. I just they, have to they, keep going in a straight line back and forth on one street. They call me the crab. I just move sideways <laughs> over one piece of turf all day long. Thank you, Wilshire Lion. Uh, yeah, it's a shit show here. And I'm, I mean, I'm looking out my window right now at um, the La Brea Tar Pits, which is one of the things that people know outside of L.A. about L.A. It stinks. It's not a great thing to see. It's, you know, it's it's OK if you're like a five year old. Right. It's kind of exciting. It's about it's worth maybe 10 minutes of your life. 10 minutes. And you will plan a day around it if you come right. to L.A. I know people who are like, we're going to the La Brea Tar Pits today. I'm like, well, and? It's L.A. <laughs> As a visitor, in my opinion, you should just go to the beach or go to Malibu and enjoy how nice it yes. is. Because, yeah. like, you know, sometimes you see, you know, some Polish tourists in Hollywood who, <laughs> who are clearly under the impression, like, I'm going to go see where they make all the movies, you know. And, and they're just, like, staring at that dirty fake Spider-Man in front of the mall across from Jimmy Kimmel. Yeah. And, right. and it's just, there's nothing to see, really. You know, and, and everything is worth at most 20 minutes. Yeah. I'm, I'm trying to think what what is worth more than oh. that. Well, if you're into if you're into at the Getty is okay. Oh. Uh, the, if you're and into the Broad, I like the Broad. There's nothing else though. Oh, the Hunt Huntington Gardens. But if <sighs> that's is that even considered Ellie Cropper? It's just like go walk outside where you live. You know, it's like, why do I agree that? And also, Goldie, to go back to the the Walk of Fame, that is the worst. I mean, because people have it in their minds. Oh, the Chinese theater. And red Hollywood skeleton, Boulevard. red buttons. Yeah, I know. <laughs> All these yeah. people named Red who like, you yeah. kind of are aware of, but yeah. nothing new. Like, oh. Red Barlow. Who the hell's that? <laughs> um, but yeah, no, if you, if you see Dabney Coleman, that would be a good day. Like the sure. stars you're going to see, you're not going to recognize 10 out of 11 of them. And then but the 11th one will be do? Dabney Coleman. What are you supposed to do? You stand in front of the star and say, you see Paul Newman, and you go, I like Paul Newman. His name <laughs> Look at his in star. Ground. God, what, are, what reaction are you supposed to have? Are you supposed to just ruminate on, you know, all of my favorite Paul Newman moments and the salad dressing and the race cars and the marriage to Joanne Woodward and and eating all those eggs and Robert Redford, the camaraderie? Like what? So you're standing in the street thinking about this? I yeah. I, I, I need someone to explain to me. 
what reaction you're supposed to have to anything in L.A. The tar pits where you go, yeah, that, yeah. The, the, the bones were in there, I guess. <laughs> it's tar. Yeah. It's, it's all terrible. And, be you know, you're going to do it all on brown grass on an 88-degree day. Yes. And, you know, you're going to be improperly dressed. The Walk of Fame sucks. I know right here, I believe they're building, or it may even be partially done, the, the uh, Academy Museum uh, oh, yeah. Like the Academy Awards. The music. only thing that, interesting that ever happened was Will Smith slapping Chris Rock. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's, oh, nothing God. else interesting ever happened at the Academy oh, Awards. Oh, my God. <laughs> I know that was, well, I think that might be recency bias. But, uh, well, like Warren Beatty was, announcing the wrong movie. Yes, that yeah. was very interesting. The Streaker, also interesting. <laughs> okay, <laughs> so a few three, years before. three things. So we have a whole museum and it's going to be like, you know, this is... This is the shawl worn by Hillary Swank. <laughs> okay, <laughs> great. When she forgot to thank her husband. That was also yeah. interesting. Oh, yeah. Um, and then they divorced. And then uh, John Travolta not being able to say Adina Menzel. It was a few yeah. things. Adim. Oh. <laughs> I, I can't even do it, yeah, it was as badly terrible. as he did. <laughs> uh, but they should. You know, it's ridiculous because they're, okay, they're either, they have built or are building this museum, which I guess is a good thing. But. There should be a Hollywood Hall of Fame, like there is a baseball Hall of Fame or a football ah. Hall of Fame, and people should be inducted into it on a yearly basis. I think that would oh. be fun, the way that people visit Cooperstown or Canton, Ohio. You could visit Hollywood and have this whole experience, you know, where you have different aspects of the business and you're not limited to Oscars. It's everything. Oh. I think that's a good idea in theory, but in practice, isn't that Madame Tussauds Wax Museum? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, totally. isn't that what that is? Is it's like yeah, there's but the, hopefully now there's Michael Jackson with Liz Taylor, <laughs> right? <laughs> I think now we've moved beyond wax figures in terms of like an immersive experience. You could go, you could go sit in a room and watch ET fly across the moon. You know. Every right. three minutes, they, oh, you would but love that's, that. That sounds more like something you'd see a Universal City. Oh, you yeah. could put it all in one place, one-stop shopping. That is a Universal film, so yes, I cannot argue with that. But you could have <laughs> yeah. the Star Wars opening. You could have, you know, Gone with the Wind. Uh, frankly, Scarlet, I don't give whatever. You could just have all these different experiences. I say just go to the beach. <laughs> there's there's <laughs> totally. nothing else. <laughs> that's worth hilarious. Doing. As Seth MacFarlane famously said, once does anyone even go to the beach anymore? <laughs> We were, no, they, they stopped. They stopped. <laughs> That's over. So anyway, interesting to be back. Uh, yeah. Fun seeing, you know, certain people in person. It's odd that we have to wear our masks. We get tested vigorously. Then we come in and we have to wear our masks in the common areas. So like if we're getting a snack or something, mm. you kind of have to quickly put your mask on and then take it off instantly when you're in one of like eight areas. Well, so, you know, all these media companies has have used COVID as an excuse to strip away every expense because I noticed our snack room used terrible. to be like Mr. Megorium's Wonder Emporium. It was <laughs> anything you can imagine. It was Willy Wonka. It was feast your, or Oompa Loompas, feast your eyes on these delights. Yeah. And now it's like, Four bags of Kirkland yeah. almonds. Yes, that's it. And there's yeah. a, a name, a, sort of a generic brand beef stick. I'm like, what? at least give me, a, yeah. give me a Slim Jim or something. I can recognize that. Yeah, I haven't eaten a snack since I got back. It's oh, just, no. There's nothing. Well, I, wow. ha I had some almonds to show you how bad the snack situation wow. is. Because I never, that's not me, Goldie. You no, tell the folks. That's 
That's desperation. That's total desperation. <laughs> you didn't become a writer so you could eat almonds no. at 3 p.m. And there I am like a schmuck eating almonds at 3 p.m. Shoving them into your mask it's... one almond at a time. What is life? What is life at this point? What is life? Oh, oh, it just God. is. It's been so hard with getting the kids back and then getting to work in time for that test and then waiting pointlessly oh. for the results. Well, Oh. And then starting, and I've already been up five hours. I know. You were exhausted today, I could tell. I was. Um, probably because you kept saying it. But uh, Well, I actually, I, I last night I stayed up watching this Manti, Manti Teo. Oh, no Manti one knows Teo. how to say his name. Manti, Manti, Manti Teo. Manti. Yeah. I've, in the documentary, they switch back and forth. Oh, really? Yeah. I feel like even he switches back and forth. <laughs> and this documentary, I said I'm going to watch 20 minutes. Of oh, course, I end up watching oh, it's so good. all of it. And it, yeah. it, it's fascinating. And it, it made me feel better about myself because I said, you know, I have what I view as all these problems that are pretty significant and sort of emotional issues. But at least I haven't done that. Yeah. Like yeah. I haven't just publicly embarrassed uh, an institution by and was that saying the t- was that the takeaway? Girlfriend. Uh, I, yeah, I mean I, I I liked him a lot more. You also see sort of convincingly how he got sucked into this right. and yeah. that right. he's not an idiot or something that it's it was a slow burn. He was manipulated and then once something is in the news and they say, oh, this was your girlfriend and she died, it's very hard to deny it because they then show the Heisman Trophy ceremony where oh. he knew something was off. And he says, what am I supposed to do? Interrupt the Heisman Trophy ceremony and say, just so you guys know, I'm beginning to think the person <laughs> right. who said they right. died is alive. And, and he's right. Yeah. Yeah. He got yeah. catfished, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my You guys God. think that you could get catfished? Yes. At this point, oh, you, I just did. I would not believe that anyone's interested in me. So that I don't. I wouldn't buy in. <laughs> for the first, for the first I really want to meet you. It's like no, you don't. So you, you're you're out in the prestige terms. You're out at the pledge. Yes, yeah, the pledge. You're the out. premise that like you know you're very interesting and I'd love to talk to you. It's like no, no you wouldn't. I'm out. Well, as you know, I got catfished with for my Instagram. We talked oh, about it completed. on here. Yeah, completed. completed. I mean, the minute—that's catfish. The minute yeah. somebody said, "We like you, and we think you should be more important," <laughs> I was like, "I agree, buddy. Let's do it." Yeah, completed. Completed. What about you, JC? Do you think? I don't. I don't think so. But I have two f- very good friends, both males, that were catfished. One of them was catfished twice. And and they're both like good looking dudes, like pretty popular musicians and like, like money was taken from them and it was like, you know, messed them up for years. I don't, you know, I think, I don't know if they'll really recover from the trust. You know, they have pretty bad trust issues. That's amazing. Uh, And their names are? Uh, (laughs) I'm kidding. You're not going to do it. She wouldn't do it. She's too classy. So, you know, and we've been talking for in the weeks leading up to this about, you know, I very, I love where we were on Cape Cod and miss my family immensely. But Goldie made the point to me and and he's 100% right. They're definitely like some positives about being here on your own. I mean, I'm not on my own. I'm with my mine and my wife's friend, Renata, and and we are having the best time. Like every night we just order awesome food. We have a couple (laughs) of drinks, eat a gummy and watch like two or three episodes of something awesome and then both go to sleep at 930. So I'm like living the dream in that regard. Yeah, I'm not doing that. I got (laughs) screamed at yesterday when I got home because my youngest kid was mad she never gets packages because I got a package. So she was 
Like as angry as I've ever seen someone picture the angriest child you've ever seen, double it. Right. That's how angry she was yeah, about never I... getting a package. So I had to find things she needs and get them sent here. Oh my god, you're so nice. So she I know. Get I, a package. But, but I, you know what? I I used to, you know, because my parents were more hardline. But you just kind of go with everything that's happened to these kids. Are you really yeah. going to go? You're learning a lesson. Right? Nothing good yeah. ever happens. Yeah. And you don't deserve yeah. to have what that's you want. That's reality. It's like, yeah. Can you just say sometimes you don't hey, get a package. Right. I can, I can afford this. Yeah. Yeah. You want, that's really you want a cardboard right. box with sure. a coloring book? What do I give a shit? Yeah. yeah. I can afford a nanny. Sure. I get it. <laughs> Totally. I'm, we're, we're same page here. Same page. And it's funny because you called me. We were going to talk. We were talking about the show yesterday, right when this explosion from your kid yes. is happening. And oh. so it was like the most well-directed sound editing of her screaming from a distance. And it was amazing yeah. how, how loud it was still over the phone. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery Starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs. Now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Uh, but we made it through the rain, and we lived to do another round of Johnny Jokes. Well, from Hollywood, here on the Wilshire Line, live from the tar pits, here's Johnny's! <laughs> that was oh, amazing. <laughs> fantastic. Well, bringing the energy back. Yeah. How are my levels? My levels okay, yes, JC? Yes, thank okay. you for fixing that. Terrific. <laughs> Let's get into these. Oh, boy. I texted you, Goldie, that my jokes today are the 94 Celtics. I think we all remember <laughs> how good they were. Uh, here we go. In a forward-thinking move, Sky Giant American Airlines purchased a fleet of supersonic airplanes last week. Uh, they then tried to buy a semisonic, but it was closing time. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> That's funny, I mean. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, other Johnny. 90s humor. Yeah. Uh, oh, boy, a sad story. Former Princeton basketball coach Pete Carrill died due to complications from a wound infection. Oh. He gone! Yeah, yeah. Uh, ironically, the wound was caused by a backdoor cut. Oh, he's famous for... I get that. I, yeah, I, I knew you would. He, I... He, I watched him many a time at my old college. <laughs> yes. Oh. Heckled Pine. him vigorously. <laughs> I'm sure. Make another boring triangle, you boring fuck, was something I would say. 
<laughs> I remember you winning that Clippers game. So this is so exciting. Getting another fucking triangle, you nerds. The, the assistant coach uh, tried to fight me. Really? Yeah. Oh, the Princeton was famous for their triangle offense, and Goldie knew, knew that and used it against oh, them. Oh, and I saw some Good one, coach. Just sat behind their bench. Triumph. Uh, all right, here we go. Oh, more sad news. Uh, in South Carolina, a 63-year-old woman was killed after being impaled by a wind-blown beach umbrella. Ooh. Wear a mask, people. Oh. <laughs> wind-blown beach umbrella. I know, I love that. What a way to go. Uh, okay, and, and finally, <clears throat> finally, uh, Rudy Giuliani has been forced to appear... There's my umbrella. (laughs) (laughs) Finally, Rudy Giuliani has been forced to appear in front of a grand jury in Georgia for his role in the 2020 election lie. Uh, If convicted, he could die in prison, uh, whereas now he currently dies over the sink. (laughs) Uh, you know, I, I think you you did very well this week. Uh, I'll, Short I'll t- week. I'll take a C plus. Yeah. Pass right, it on. And you'll, you'll get one. A B minus. <laughs> okay, here we go. Uh, <clears throat> a record number of women are now getting vaginal reduction surgery because yoga pants are so tight. Oh. Yeah, it's the same reason men are getting a penis enlargement. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe there's a system where you... Take the one and make the other. I don't like that. Tagline. Well, after getting blown out in her congressional re-election bid, Liz Cheney says she's thinking about running for president. And I mean, she actually meets the main qualification to be president. 70% of the country hates her. (laughs) Okay. That was the biggest speed bump. You got through. Okay, here we go. In his first preseason game, Zach Wilson, the quarterback of the New York Jets, limped off the field after appearing to injure his knee. But doctors had horrible news for Wilson. His knee is fine, and he has to play for the Jets. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Get him. And finally, Wolfgang Peterson, the director of Air Force One, died. Oh. He gone! Yeah, he gone. And apparently God said, get off my planet. (laughs) (laughs) All right. I loved it. I loved it. Can I, God, I can't quit those goddamn things. They're still fun. (laughs) It is fun. As shitty as it is doing it. Uh, Those were funny. So, uh, Goldie, you had suggested what I thought was a very cool theme for today. So, like, why don't you tell the folks uh, what we want to talk about? So, I thought we should talk about the things we would change personally and professionally, things we think we did wrong as a way to sort of hopefully point people to the right direction in their own lives, as well as decisions or things we did that were right or correct. Because we now have about 25 years behind us, maybe a little more in this business. And I think we can look back and, and with some accuracy say, here's what was great and here's what just didn't work. That's nice. Yes. Yeah. Oh, and people love hearing about regrets. Yeah. I think. <laughs> so so I, I can get us started. Sure. Go ahead. I should have quit stand-up way earlier. Yeah. Oh. I yeah. think with stand-up comedy, you know in two or three years – definitely who you're going to be. I don't think I've ever seen anyone 
get markedly better after that point. They just have more volume of stuff. You know, I, I, I think they can gain fame, but I think you just know what you got. Like Jim Gaffigan was Jim Gaffigan. Yes. The first time we saw him. Yes. Sebastian Maniscalco was Sebastian Maniscalco the first time we saw him. And I had funny enough jokes. I just never had an actual persona that was clear enough that I would walk on stage and you would say, that's what this guy is. That's what yeah. he's doing. And nor did I really want one. It felt like a compromise. But I didn't have the breadth of material to say, like, he's an incredible political satirist. So I wish I had cut bait way earlier because I chased it for over 15 years, and it was every night sitting in the back of these horrible clubs, watching horrible sets, and I just feel like I could have had more, better life and my youth. <laughs> wow, it's, yeah. it's interesting that you bring that one up first, because I don't disagree with you that you know kind of early on and cutting bait and all that kind of stuff, which I was fortunate enough to be able to do at exactly the three-year mark, be like, bye. Yes. But... And you would not... Like, I was honest about myself. I'll be honest about you as well. Ten, ten years in, you're not going to be much different, I don't think. No. God, no. No. But here's the thing with you, and I can say this now, is like, and I'm sure you've heard this comparison before, and it's kind of annoying to you, but you think of someone like Louis Black, right? So he used to go out on stage, and he was like the angry man, and he would get out there and kind of curse about politics and this and that. You feel like... You could have a niche now as that for families, like for life stuff, because he didn't do that. But like, you're so funny now. Like when you you. talk and you just like shit comes out of you, it's really funny. Yes. Um, So not to encourage you to go back out there and, and, you know, trying to shuck and jive for stage time now, that doesn't seem like what you want to do. But I think that if you did choose to do that or if you put together a one man show, it would be awesome. Yeah. Well, I appreciate that, but I y- looking at it, it's that would take an incredible amount of work. It would, it would take people putting me up in rooms, which is would be really hard to do. I am almost fifty years old. Yeah. Um. You, you know, it really is a young person's game. I don't know that I'm what they're looking for. I don't know that a family set in L.A. is going to light the world on fire. So then you say, well, you have to go on the road, and you know, you look at. People are doing that, you know, Nate Bargatze, people like that are are doing a great job right with, with in that sort of niche. And so I I just feel like I was such a tweener that I really wanted to get on a late night show and I got on Kilborn and I got on Jimmy Kimmel, but by the time I got on, it was almost no longer a big deal in the way that I wanted it to be a big deal. Right. And then I came really close to getting on Letterman and didn't get on which you know, talking to Dana Gould, he he told me, he said, like, that's all he wanted his whole life. And then he did it. And it was good. Uh, right. <laughs> and then, and we can ask him about it, but it's it's not, you you put so much of your life and time into it and the, the returns are so small. And so yeah. I, you know, I had an opportunity when UCB was starting up and it was Amy Poehler and I think Ian and um, Matt Besser and Matt Walsh. And I remember when they started their first class, and I said, eh, you know, I don't really want to spend $210 for someone to teach me to be funny. And it's right. like, I could have been at the ground floor of UCB. Yeah. I just wish I had explored these other avenues because the people who went through this improv training, I think, um, did really well for themselves as performers. And and comedy shifted under our feet where I almost feel like stand-up 
is kind of uncool now. Yeah, you huh. unless unless you're like one of ten comics. Yes. It feels like stand up is it, it seems like a vast wasteland, you know. Well what I think I've said this before on the podcast, but ten people become millionaires and everyone else goes insane. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and yes. that makes sense. <laughs> Sharp, don't say that. There <laughs> oh, you go. Um yeah, well, that's I mean, that's a very honest uh, assessment of of time spent. And I and I'll add on um, in a similar era for me, I wish that I had been a little more self-aware when I was working at Saturday Night Live. I think I have this version of my my career that didn't happen, sort of the sliding doors version where I did work at Saturday Night Live and I think that when things go wrong in your life, you have this tendency to kind of like look for other people to blame, you know, and I say like, oh, Regis Philbin's daughter took my job or Steve Higgins didn't like me. Mm -hmm. And instead of sitting in it and saying like, well, why didn't Steve Higgins like me? And was it perhaps that I was and I know this to be true, I was. So had such a sense of entitlement that was unearned at that time just because I had gotten a job on Saturday Night Live. I felt like I had made it. I felt like I was on the way to being a writer there. And I think that had I become a writer there, these people that I kind of bristle against now, like the Tina phase of the world where I say like, yeah, screw her or whatever. Like, first of all, she's an undeniable comedy genius and she's She's great she's done amazing work but i am jealous because i felt like i should have been in that world and i felt like if i got a job on saturday night live then those were the people i would have continued to love and i would have been a 30 rock writer you know or a parks and rec writer or an office writer and i would have been on the emmy side of the business where everybody's heaping praise on you as opposed to on this side of the business, which is Fox and Family Guy, which is a very different thing, even though we're so lucky to be on a show like Family Guy that's yes. lasted as long as it has, the prestige side of it in the kind of Hollywood sense, in the award sense, is not there at all. Well, what do you think you did wrong when you say you want to be more self-aware? Can you well, because I, I think that I sat there with my feet up on the desk getting stoned because everyone was and I thought it was cool, but I wasn't hyper focused on making sure that I got everything right for everyone, which I should have been in that position. You know, you know how, especially now when you encounter assistants or production assistants or interns and you know, looking at them the way that you want them to act. And when you see them acting that way, like they're thinking about the show, they're tying up loose ends, dotting I's and crossing T's, you respect that. And I think I was just a guy who, you know, had, a beard and long hair and got stoned with the cast members and thought like, I'm fucking here, man. You can't take me out of here. And like, instead of actually really continuing to to work as hard as I could to stay there, which right. I, I didn't do. And I think in the end it, it came back and bit me. So I regret not doing that. I had a little bit of the flip experience yeah. on Conan because I've talked about how I was an intern there um, and worked on the fifth anniversary special and yeah. how I got to be an intern there. But I don't think I ever talked about how it ended for me, which was, so I had developed a relationship with the monologue writers and they were super nice to me, uh, Chris Albers and Janine DiTulio. Very nice. And I, I said to them, Hey, I'm interested in being a writer. 
would you mind if before I get to work, I write jokes? Would you just look at them? I'm not trying to get on the show. I just want to know if I'm in the ballpark for what I should be doing or I have no talent for this and should go fuck myself. (laughs) Um, So I would get to work every day at like 6.30 or 7 a.m. and write like 20 jokes and they would look at my jokes. And then one day, Chris Albert said, hey, I really like this joke. I'm going to submit it to Conan and if he uses it, you'll get $75. So I was like, that is amazing. And he didn't have to do that. I mean, that was just... Very nice. Like an unbelievable gracious opportunity thrown my way. So I wound up getting a few jokes on the show. In the in the meantime, the person I was working for was uh, running the script department, and she was a frustrated writer, and she was very angry, and I think in retrospect, jealous yeah. that yeah. I had jokes on the show. So um, I remember we were, her. We were in the uh, in the control room, and to tell you how long ago it was, uh, Jonathan Groff, the then head writer, said to me. That joke you wrote about Bob Dole, we're not using it in the monologue, but we're putting it in a sketch and you'll still get paid. And I was supposed to be the next writer's assistant. Like I was up for that and I had my resume and I saw her. She just got up and went right to the executive, the producer of the show and just killed it right there. And that set me back eight years, maybe. And so sometimes I I say, I don't think I was too ambitious. I, I actually think I played it right. And that she was a horrible person. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. And, God, that's and, awful. And just drive by me for no reason other than jealousy. Yeah. But I will say that, you know, if you are getting some kind of special treatment, you find yourself in that situation, maybe play it very cautiously and on the down low and not flaunt it at all. Yes, that's good advice. And it's it's interesting, you know, having been in, in versions of that situation before where even in just starting at Family Guy – when we were just starting back up, I was definitely like one of Seth's favorites right. in quotes. And so I could feel the there would be a little bit of anger towards me because Seth, whereas he, so many jokes would bounce off his forehead, it, it felt like he was listening to me a little more and was kind of in tune with what I was saying. Yeah. And so he would put stuff in that that I would pitch. And I think that people, some people felt like, that wasn't cool. So you're right. You have to, in those situations, like play it very politically, you know, sort of delicately and kind of tiptoe around that stuff. But to get to another situation that I definitely have regrets about is dads. I mean, dads was so fun. We had a great writer's room again, anchored by Goldie, who was just an absolute, you know, uh, Lancelotti hitting minor league home runs day after day (laughs) to no fanfare. And we had a great room with Tom and Max. Tom uh, and Max, as you guys know from our podcast, how funny they are. And Mike Scully, again, you know, he's hilarious. And on and on. We had a great room. We had the full support of the network on that show. That was the show they were pushing comedy-wise that year. And I feel like we just failed to deliver. I think that I suffered from maybe fun in the room-itis, where we were so intoxicated with each other in that room uh, there was so much laughter that we felt like there's no way what we're putting out isn't great and then when it, it kind of was feeding back to us that maybe it wasn't so great we i i certainly chose to ignore that and continue plowing ahead with the way we were going when maybe a, a kind of pivot might have worked in that situation. Yeah, it's. I have a similar thing. It, it, it is difficult to know how to play that. And, you know, with both my shows, which were pretty rapidly canceled, I regret that I didn't pursue 
renewal harder and let everyone know how serious I was about it. I should have, I, I was so passive in my deal. Like I got a deal and then I didn't understand what you're supposed to do in a deal. And I waited for it to become clear to me, hey, like how much am I supposed to be pitching? Who am I supposed to be pitching to? What genre am I supposed, am I supposed to be pitching? I should have just come in with an agenda and said, here's what I'm doing. I want to do this show. I want to do this show. And I want to do this show. Right. And I want to co collaborate with this person and not waited for them to say, hey, can you help out on this show or this show? I, I should have said, you sign me to do a deal and I have a vision for how this is going going down. And I regret with making history in particular, not saying, hey, get me a meeting with Dana Walden. I know we're not even on the bubble. Like we're, we're canceled. I want to go in there and beg for the show and tell her what I plan to do. Right. right. Like fight right. for it. Yeah, and yeah. I, sh I should have done that with, with both my shows. I think, you know, you, you can get this mentality, you can get beaten down so much that you say, you know what, they're just going to do what they're going to do. And like, look at all the stuff on TV. It's obviously not the right stuff. And I would just say, you should always keep something in reserve to keep fighting. I feel like I didn't do that. I let my energy get away from me and I'd be down to 0% battery and I would turn off right. at yeah. the end. Yeah, yeah, no, and and also I, I would just to add to that because I I'm definitely in touch with that emotion, and I feel like we also we, one of the things we have in common is that neither of us we don't we don't want to cause a problem, and sometimes to our detriment, you know, like you like you said, going in to fight for the show is an aggressive confrontational move, and I think sometimes, as you say like whatever the events of life or the day or the show are, it kind of beats that instinct out of you to say like, you know, I'm just not going to bother Dana or Johnny Davis. I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to go in there. They, I, they know I like them and I know they like me and I'm just going to be quiet and do whatever they say. Well, you start to think that the right move is to say nothing because then you're a good corporate right. teammate right. and that, you know, maybe you'll be rewarded down the road because they'll say, hey, he got a bad turn there. Maybe we can do a good turn here. That doesn't happen. Yeah. Right. Yep. You're <laughs> no right. one remembers. No one remembers, hey, they were cool. But maybe <laughs> if you fight, you can at least say you fought. And, you know, a lot of people's jobs were on the line. And uh, I just should have fought harder. I, yeah. I, I didn't. I mean, I can point to extenuating circumstances. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This will actually get me into one of mine. I can point to extenuating <laughs> circumstances that, that, you know, my second kid was born five days before the pilot of making history. And I was I was just right out of sorts, overwhelmed. I wish I had my kids earlier. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I think that it would be so much easier as a 49 year old to have a 16 year old 
and they go, and you're going to be going to college, and then I'm going to have these 50s that are going to be unencumbered. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, because you you have oh, yeah. the energy for a baby in your 30s, and as you hit 40, like, it's so hard. I'm so exhausted this week. Oh, I'm sure. Uh, oh, I love my kids. I'm glad I had them, you know, when I did. But if I could rearrange my life, like you know, slide different yeah. index cards, different places, I would say, just give me the kids at 32, 34. Right. When I, yeah. when I have entered, you know, there's a couple corollaries to this that another one being, if you make any money, no matter what the stock market is doing, no matter what real estate is doing, buy a house and put your money in the stock market Yes, and yes. let it sit there for years and years. Because yes. I, when we were on Kilbourne, I, I went in, uh, when I started the job, I had 10 grand in credit card debt. I paid it off the first month. And then yes. I remember, you know, I rapidly within six months had about 70 grand in the bank. Maybe I was living on very little. I was single and, I, you know, yeah. I had a Vespa I was going around on. Yeah. Um, and I went to Marina Del Rey one day and there was an open house and it was this condo that opened right to the beach. Oh, and it was a amazing. two bedroom condo. The front was all glass. It was beautiful. It was $550,000. Oh, I, I could have easily afforded it. Wow. I could have easily 3.5 million. Yeah, at <laughs> least. Yeah. At least. And all I had to do was believe in myself a little bit. Yeah. yeah. And I just didn't. Or I could have just, you know, I bought Apple at 40 and sold it at 49. Oh, <laughs> right. I literally just told this story last night. I bought Apple at eight. I was working at Dora the Explorer and I would take every week I'd get paid and I would take a chunk of it and buy two to five shares of Apple every week for months. And I did this when it was about 80. So twice the amount that you, that you had paid for it. I let it, I, you know, I didn't forget about it, but I just set it aside. I didn't think about it. And then Stu and I decided to start looking for apartments to buy in Brooklyn. And, um, we just did it without really thinking about how we were going to pay for the down payment. Right. And then when we found the place, we were like, I guess we can ask our parents. I don't know if they can even help. And then I went, Oh my God, wait, let me go look at my Apple stocks. And they had, they were up to like 300 a share. Wow. That's a, unreal. And yeah. so we bought property with that. So it's so, like, oh, Jesus Christ, yeah. Primeer River. So you have the right way of doing yeah. it. <laughs> like, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's what you should do. And I, I did, I played it wrong at every turn in so many ways. And I, you know, it's, it's hard to have the confidence in yourself that you're going to get to keep working. But it, it's like, if you can't buy real estate, just put it in the market. And 20 years later, you will have a ton of money. Yeah. Yep. Just you actually gave it. Dennis McElroy the editor, the color mm-hmm. editor, you gave him advice to buy an Atwater Village. I did. And he did. Yeah. That's good advice. Yeah. It was one of the first things he said was, Goldie told me to invest in At- in Atwater, and he did. That was great advice. <laughs> so you give good advice. <laughs> Everyone's getting Didn't rich. do it myself. <laughs> God bless him. Way to go, Dennis. Yeah. Oh, that's funny. Well, so, I mean, we've had a few regrets, <laughs> to be sure. But I, I, I agree with you on the, the kids thing. You know, I mean, having kids in, in your 40s and, and mid to late 40s even, it's, um, you know, some days I, I barely have the energy to sit in the next room while Tall and the nanny handle everything. <laughs> oh, my God. I just can't. It's like I can hear them. And do I turn the TV way up? Is that obnoxious? Oh, my God. So, yeah, it's exhausting. It's exhausting to even think about. Uh, did you have any more regrets, Goldie? Cause I did. A couple more is, and I, I, some of this I did, but I wish I had done more of it is if you're just trying to break in and and you don't know how it's going to be, 
just aggressively adopt every new form of media that comes out. Yeah, yes. Create an account with your name, get on there, and just start firing. Because you could be, as an early adopter, someone they just hold up like Rob Delaney, who yes. you know, was super funny on Twitter, but also they just, when you got a Twitter account, they just started saying, hey, you should follow. And one of them was Rob Delaney. And then yes. the rest is history. And he was just diligent about it. He was looking for a way in. Yep. And he got away in. And I did that with Twitter. I didn't do that with other things. But, and, you know, the ship has sailed on a lot of things. We started this podcast way too late. Way too late. <laughs> I know. But I would say uh, get in early. And, and by, by the same token... I would say, and this kind of ties in with, you know, cutting bait on stand-up. I would say the second you know you want to be a writer, start piling up scripts because people think it's interesting to help an ambitious 24-year-old, but like a 32-year-old with a script is nothing. It's and someone <laughs> and someone in their 40s with a script is like almost a problem for you to figure yeah. out what to do with them. So like if you know you want to start. Get in there as early as possible. As people want to help a young person, no one really wants to help an in-between person, and they certainly will see no benefit from helping an older person. Uh, oh, so a counterpoint, I will say that, you know, just to be fair, that the scripts we get, they don't say people's ages. Of so, course. You know, you'll read it, and, and if funny is funny when you're 45 or, you know, 35 or 25, hopefully... You know, you'll get a shot. Oh, but Goldie's, course, but Goldie's right. Saying, once you're aware. Of, in my oh. personal life, like I was just doing stand up till I was like in my 30s. I don't think I had a script until I was 32. It's like had I stopped doing stand up, maybe taken some improv, just started writing scripts and moved out to L.A., which is another big regret of mine. Yeah. It's like, just be out in L.A. as soon as you can. Start writing scripts as soon as you can, because there's such a, an advantage to being young, not just because you have the energy, but because people see you as new and they're more likely to help you. And the older you get, it's not that you can't do it or it's wrong or it's, it's bad. It just, if you have the benefit of being that young and you're just kind of sitting there and drinking and being lazy, don't do that. Yes. Right. That's great advice and a great point. Um, all right. So in, in summation regrets, we've had a few. But you know what? We're doing all right. Yeah. We're here yeah. talking to each other, making each other laugh. What do you got a Lloyd situation there? And you also, you work on, you guys are writers and the showrunner, family guy. Like, people worship this show. I know. Nothing's ever good enough, though, right? <laughs> it, it always could have been different. I, I, I picture, a, a, you know, an office that has, like, four Emmys on a shelf somewhere instead of, like, a, a Teen Choice Award that Seth, <laughs> right. that Seth didn't want. So somehow <laughs> oh, it ended up, Lloyd. oh, look, Lloyd, cameo, Hi, Lloyd. cameo. Lloyd, 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 Lloyd. What a cutie. What well, a sweetheart. I bet you don't regret Lloyd. That's No. no. Like, get a dog as early as you can. Yeah, There's get a dog one. as early as you can. And also, uh, something Goldie told me, which uh, we both love, is follow Kook Slams on oh. Uh, Instagram. Oh. One of the best sites you'll ever come to. Is it K-O-O-K? K-O-O-K Slams. Uh, very, very fun stuff. Cool. All right, so... It was fun to talk about those, uh, shake out a few of the cobwebs there. Yeah. But now uh, let's get to a portion of the show that we like to call Top Five. Top Five. Oh, love that. <laughs> okay. And that might be in our category tonight. Who knows? So uh, the category today, which was mine, was uh, these are the top five might be the best song ever. 
So again, to clarify, we're not talking about Let It Be and Yesterday, which, yes, we know everybody's heaped praise on those songs. It's these certain songs that you hear at certain times and you're like, God, I love this song. Like, th- <laughs> how great is this song? Yeah. So I'm, I'm interested to hear what uh, what you guys had to put on your list. So JC, as the music person, do you want to oh, go first? Sure. I mean, I, I really kind of didn't understand, um, but maybe I did. So I, you, I just you did just go on feeling okay. on instinct. Okay, well, um, my number five yeah is automatic by the Pointer Sisters. Oh, I love that song, <laughs> and you totally get it. You nailed it right out of the box. <laughs> okay, okay, that is absolutely one of the great underrated, underheard every, songs. Yeah, like every. I mean, but it was a huge. Wasn't it a huge hit? I just feel like it. But was, it doesn't get play. Yeah. Yes. Right. I feel like it's a Prince song. Right, but like pre-Prince maybe? Cause I, th- I think he he wrote it. But what? May- no, I, th- I, don't. I thought maybe he wrote it. I thought they were older, but I don't know. Um, we can we can look it up. How's yeah, that? that well, that was the, on their album from like 1983 or four. So oh, I, it's possible I sh- who that I ta- wrote of that. Of course, you know these things. Yeah, maybe. Uh, <laughs> um, then my number four is "This Is How We Do It." By Montel Jordan. That's a great one. (laughs) Okay, so I guess I understood the assignment. You did. Um, The party's here on the west side. Yes. Every time it plays, I cannot. And you know, I think it was my first week at Family Guy, we recorded him. Yes, and we cut him, sadly. Oh, and I remember, I had never met Alec before, and Alec, (laughs) the first thing you said to him over, you were like, Oh, and, you know, I just wanted you to know that, you know, this is how we do it here. And I was like, oh, my God, what's happening? <laughs> I think I said it a little more cleverly you, than of that. Course, but that but was the upshot. It was literally yeah. like, and he was like, oh, ha, ha, ha. <laughs> yeah. One of the marks of a good song is is you could sing it with your dog. This is how Lloyd does it. That's really good. This is how Lloyd does it. Okay, so this one is a more serious song, but I feel this way about it. It's called How Soon Is Now by the Smiths. Yeah. The guitar. Oh one. my God. It is. It Every time the, the guitars come in, it's. I just feel like it's so. You're unique. so emo. I'm sorry, emo. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, now back to the trend, which is number two Everything She Wants by Wham. Oh, yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. Ha, ha. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's a that's interesting. <laughs> oh my god. I, I, I love that you love it. Oh my god. Play it and I can't help but dance. Yeah. Okay. And then my number one is a song called Valerie that was produced Steve Winwood? by Mark Ronson, but sung by Amy Winehouse. Oh, yeah, maybe. I don't know. Every time I hear it, it's just like this song is so amazing. I'll I'll send you a. Yeah, you'll have to send a link. Yeah. Um, That's uh, and and we hope that people listening will send us in what are their top five favorite might be the best song ever at uh, typical disgusting display at gmail.com. Let us know what you think. Yes. Uh, Goldie, what do you think? You want me to go? I'll go because you're going to hate mine. No, I won't. I love music. Number five. Kokomo. No, <laughs> shut the fuck up. You're not doing this again. I just 
Love Kokomo. Okay. I want to be there. It, uh, but I'm waiting for number four now. <laughs> no, the rest is... Okay. I, I take it seriously. Thank God. <laughs> uh, number four is Under Pressure. <gasps> that's a great song. Ooh, goosebumps. Great yeah. song. Sorry, guys. You know, I got goosebumps just <laughs> thinking about it. By the way, that's a song Seth claimed he had never heard... When he had to record it, uh, there was supposed to be him uh, singing karaoke with his Terminator robot twin. Oh, yeah. And they were going to sing. It's very hard to sing in his defense. Well, it's very hard to sing, but it's almost impossible to say you've never heard that song. (laughs) Yeah. Are you going to argue? No. (laughs) Nope. Didn't. Didn't argue at all. Um, Number three is Bust a Move. Uh, Oh, it's great. That's a great one. When are you mad you hear that? Yeah. Number two, and this is for anyone who's ever lost someone, uh, Dance With My Father, Luther Vandross. Oh. oh I don't think I know wow. that Wow. I know that one. That'll, get, that'll get bring a tear. Get ready to cry. That'll oh, bring wow. a tear. Yeah, okay. get ready to cry. And uh, number one, just because there was, after the Red Sox won in 2004, an epic ESPN montage set to this, Tom Petty's The Waiting. Oh, oh yeah, nice. that's a great song. Yeah, like that that's uh, that's just a very good song. All right, good list. That's a great list. All right, number five for me. Okay, walking in Memphis. Oh, yeah, it's oh, good. God, yes. I love any song that has like a breakdown where it's like just the guy singing and then everything comes back in. I'm 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 all that, in. on That was that. also one of those. CDs you buy and then you're just mad at the rest of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you just play the one song. Yeah. And I can still picture his jeans on the cover of that CD. Yeah, he, was, he, he wasn't even close on anything else. No, and he nailed Walking in Memphis. Yes. It's unusual. Okay, here's kind of a weird one, and this could be, you know, the parent and me talking. There's a song from the kids' movie Trolls okay. by Justin Timberlake called can't stop this feeling. Oh yeah, I love that song. I love that song. <laughs> like when that song starts, I'm I'm just I'm moving. I'm moving. Around. I gotta see this. Let me play it next time I see you. In- you should. <laughs> you want to see this guy move? He's play moving. It. He's moving. Uh, number three. Uh, went back for kind of an oldie here. A song that for some reason just it's like I'm carried uh, along a wonderful river during this song. A song by Three Dog Night called Old Fashioned Love Song. Yeah, just they have an a few old of those. Fashion that... love song oh, playing nice... on the radio. Love that one. <laughs> that's a nice love song. that. Number two, maybe the song with the most hooks. You know what a hook is, right, JC? In music, a uh, hook. Come on, Eileen. No, well, oh. that's a good one. <laughs> Funky Town by oh, Lips Inc. Yes. I mean, <laughs> when sometimes you listen, to... <laughs> I listen to that song and like section after section of that song, I'm like, that's perfect. They nailed that, and that's great. Okay, we, we keep going. And number one, big change, the emotional side of the sulk comes out here. Arthur's theme. Oh, yes. What? Mo- <laughs> moon and New York City. <laughs> oh, come on. Uh, suddenly, Christopher Cross? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Suddenly, my pants are rolled up above the ankle. I'm splashing in the surf in Malibu. Oh <laughs> I mean, gosh. sweater tied around my neck just so. Like, that's crazy. <laughs> no, it's a beautiful song. I mean, the moonlighting thing. theme is better than that. Oh, <laughs> bite your tongue. I, I do love the moonlighting yeah, that theme. That is a good song. It's a good song. But no, Moon in New York City, 
Book wow. It. Number, number one. one. Number, number one. Number one. All right, JC, what do, what do we have next week? Oh, let's before we get into the top five category, let's talk about who we have next week. We are very excited to ha- finally have it a, a fair fight. Two women and two men. Our guest next week is going to be the great Maggie Mall. Yay! Maggie Mall, who, of course, worked with us on Dads, worked with us on Family Guy for many years, and now has successfully launched her own Hulu show called Maggie, Yes, which everyone's just going apey over yes. this show. I loved it. She, she might be here just to tell us off, like 20%. I know, <laughs> and she'd be right, and we'd have to take it now. Yeah. That's the, the pecking yeah. order has been reversed. It's funny because uh, the uh, woman I'm, I'm staying with out here in California, Renata, she works at Netflix. And she said to me last night, Ted Sarandos, who's like the head honcho over there, loves the show Maggie. Oh, wow. So, oh, so we cool. can we can hit Maggie with that news, and uh, we'll talk to her about a lot more next week. So we're very excited And for she that. is our second female guest. I, I don't know if you... Yeah, okay, let's okay, not just... shine a spotlight on that. That doesn't seem like anything <laughs> Look, to celebrate about. I you made about. It seem like she's the first one. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so that's who's here next week. And JC, what will our top five be next week? Our top five is top five HBO shows of all time. Oh, that's great. Right. I guess I'm... That is okay, great. Good. All right, phew. I love that list. <laughs> okay. Cool. Um, it's already done. I'm already oh, done with John from Cincinnati. <laughs> no. It's Kokomo. That flipped every <laughs> Kokomo at number five. It's not even a show. There's nothing wrong with it. Um, there's not wrong with it. All right. Well, now we're going to end the show the way we end every show, on a high note. Thank you, Tom and Max. And boy, thank you again, Tom Gamble, for last week when you came in and just blew us away with that comedic drum solo about your movie pitch. Max joining at the surprise join. Yes, Max was a surprise join. And did you notice Tom came equipped with sound effects? He had the siren for when Max was approaching. I was playing the siren. Oh, (laughs) that was very well done. I thought I was picturing Tom like playing it on another device there. No, that was great. That was great. I'll get my high note out of the way quickly. It was just, I touched on it earlier in the show. As much as I kind of dragged my, uh, dug my heels in about not really wanting to be back, I do enjoy seeing you, Goldie, and and everybody else on the Family Guy staff. It's been nice uh, being back in a room laughing in person again. Uh, It's a good feeling. That's not my high note. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't think it would be. (laughs) You want to go? You want to go? So I've been kind of going through it psychologically a little bit. There's just a lot going on. And one of the things that's just been sort of a buoy in the ocean of anxiety and just rage and difficulty is uh, there's this podcast called The Cure for Chronic Pain. Oh. And the woman's name is Nicole Sachs. And um, I recommend if people are dealing with chronic pain and – they think there might be psychological issues. Just she she had this summer series. It's probably ten podcasts or a half hour each. And and the first one she talks about her dog dying and how you deal with that and let it go. And she she really puts herself out there yeah. in a way that I think you listen to podcasts like that. The people just take an authoritative tone without ever throwing their own problems in there. And she went into difficulties she's had with her son and her dog. And I, I just found it immensely helpful. So oh, that's I beautiful. recommend oh, that's it. That's really nice. Strongly. What's it called again? 
the cure for chronic pain, Nicole Sachs. Thank you. And I, I actually think we should try to have her as a guest at some point. Yeah, I mean, that's, yes. she sounds great. I mean, I can tell by your reaction. Yeah. All right, good, good high note. And JC, what do you got um, for us? I have a high note. Um, guess what? Guess who it's about? <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> so. Vetus Garolitis. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. Um, this is actually very, very exciting. Um, the first single of Stu's very first solo project called, uh, the EP is called The 40 Hertz EP, Drops Tomorrow. Cool. This episode will be released nice. on Monday, but it's the very first single. It features Patrick Stump. Oh, yeah. Um, from Fallout Boy. It is Patrick Stump sings. He plays all the horn parts in it. And Stu wrote and produced the music uh, just like he did for the rest of the record. And it is very a very exciting time in our lives right now because of this record that he's been working on for the past year and a half. Awesome. Yeah, I'm very That's excited. Yeah. And so where could people listen to that? Everywhere. It's on Spotify, Apple okay. Music, YouTube, basically anywhere you can hear music. And also you can visit StuBasieBrooks.com where you can listen to the music there as well or purchase the 40 Hertz merchandise. Um, there's hats and hoodies. So um, it's wow. very exciting. I know. Wow. <laughs> right. Congrats to Stu. I'll that's let, amazing. I'll tell very um, well, that's a good way to wrap up this week. We'll all be listening to that song tomorrow, I'm sure. And you, and you JC, I'm sure we'll listen to it many, many times. Millions. Awesome. Awesome. <laughs> uh, well, thank you, too, for being awesome, as always. Thank you. Uh, thank you all for listening. And we will talk to you again next week. Next week? <laughs> <laughs> that was fun. <laughs> Oh, Lloyd, 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 Lloyd. 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 <laughs>